0: Welcome to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you to operate profitably and adapt continuously. Host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham, talks with the experts about how game-changing technologies can help you achieve financial excellence for your company. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is our longest-running Game Changers show, 11 years, and we have one of the long-time sponsors, Prof Chatterjee, who is with us again today, so happy, and his colleague Chris Grundy have been with me for years and years and years, and we have a very interesting show for you. But I'm going to start off with a sports quote, which we don't often do on this show. So the soccer great Pele, and he was the all-time leading goal scorer for Brazil. 77 goals in 92 games and a lot more. Let's see, he was a forward and among the most successful popular sports figures of the 20th century. He said no individual can win a game by himself, and I'm going to say or herself or themselves." We'll just add that one to make it up to date. Pele's words are true beyond the soccer pitch, and we all know that in business. In the business world, these words resonate even louder for finance. That's what we're here to talk about. To bring your entire organization together in planning and analysis, and you know that's a frequent topic on this series, as well as strategy, finance needs to adopt, everybody wait for it, write this down, your homework assignment, a business partnership mantra. What does that mean? Well, it's generally known and accepted that all lines of business in your company will plan, and I'm putting quote marks around plan, air quotes, they will plan, bringing plans together collaboratively, however, requires financial and operational skills, technical savvy, and leadership. That's the new part we're talking about today, the new leg on the stool. As a leader and a business partner, finance can become instrumental in enhancing the planning and analysis function, and... Become an XP&A group, and one of our panelists has a couple of different interpretations about XPNA, and, and we'll talk about. Andrews is with us today, and XPNA, we're just going to say is extending planning analysis for organizational success. That's what you want, especially. Come on, the world is dynamic finances all over the place. It's upside down, inside out. We'll call it turbulent. So I have Anders Liu Lindbergh at the Business Partnering Institute. Of course you're here, because this is your topic. Anders, wave hello to our audience on LinkedIn. There he is. And we have Pras Chatterjee at SAP. Always so happy to see you, Pras. And Jeff Hattendorf, Mr. Hattendorf, when he talks, everybody listens at Macrospec. They haven't changed his marketing blurb in, what is it, 10 years, Jeff, but we're still listening when you talk, so it's okay. And I'm going to ask them for their take on Pele's words of wisdom. The words of wisdom where no individual can win a game by, I'm just going to say, themselves, as we explore the topic today the power of business partnering, enhancing planning and analysis. Bonnie D in the house, happy to be here. Coming to you live from my new home in Loudoun, Tennessee. The deal, gentlemen, is that I wanted to move to London, but I I was dyslexic and I got a U instead of an N. So instead of London, I moved to Loudoun. You can all laugh now, that's fine, but it's a really beautiful, Tennessee is gorgeous. Let's go around the table. Anders, I'd love for you to introduce yourself, please, a little bit about you, a little bit about the Partnering Institute. What makes you an expert on this topic? And welcome. Go ahead.
2: Absolutely Bernie and thanks a lot for having me. I'm the co-founder and a partner at Business Partnering Institute. We help finance teams across the world elevate the influence they have in the company through the concept of business partnering. I have the largest group on LinkedIn dedicated to to finance business partnering with more than 10,000 members. I've worked as a finance business partner for pretty much my entire career in global companies. I've also been co-author of the book, Create Value as a Finance Business Partner and a long-time finance blogger on LinkedIn with now more than 110,000 followers and close to 200,000 subscribers to my blog there, talking about trends in finance and accounting and the future of FP&A and business partnering. I also advise at VCs for CFO Tech, and I'm also a member of the board at Profitability Analytics Center of Excellence where I try to support different approaches to analytics frameworks so we can improve profitability in companies around the world.
1: Anders, how did you get interested in the con, just very briefly, of partnering? We're talking about leadership. We're talking about this mantra. We've always been saying, yeah. right, Pros and Jeff, finance needs to be the steward of the business. They need to look forward instead of looking back. Get rid of the spreadsheets and start doing analytics and doing live live numbers and let's see what's coming rather than what happened. And now we're saying let's add business, partnering, and leadership to the mix. So we're asking finance to, to add more to who they are. Just briefly, Anders, how did this come to be such a popular topic for you? Just quickly.
2: It's 2010 April, and we have the group CFO of Maersk, big global transport and logistics company. Mm. He's on stage at our graduate program. I'm a finance graduate in the company. And he says, and I quote, I want finance to move from the trunk of the car up into the passenger seat next to the driver so that we can become co-drivers of the business. Now all you graduates, you go do and you figure it out and uh, then we go. So that's
1: that's where it started. So here's a message to all you budding graduates, you seniors, juniors getting ready. Listen to your graduation speaker. Listen to the elders who may actually have something important to say. It's not just, oh God, too many speeches. It's, what are they really saying? There might be a message that could change your life. Andrews, thank you. That was very inspirational. Pras. Now, Pras, you and I have to do the math. You've been on, what, 100 times on the show in 11 Ooh, years, 200 times?
0: At, at least. At Jeff least.
1: is a close runner-up, I think. Yeah. So, Pras, I'm thinking today there might be 5.7 people who don't remember you. I think it was 11 last time you were on. So why don't you talk yeah. to those 5.7? Give us a little background and then catch us up to date on what you've been up to. Pras, we we'll back.
0: Thanks so much, Bonnie, and hi everyone. Uh, so I'm Prash Chatterjee. I work at SAP <coughs> India. Uh, product marketing space for planning analysis. My background really and passion for this area is that um, I actually started my career in finance, working in planning, budgeting, forecasting and consolidations for various Fortune 500 companies for the first 10 years of my life and adding absolutely no value. And that's why I moved into the technology space because I wanted to give value to finance departments. You know, I think back to my passion really comes back to where I was and where I see a lot of my peers in this space where People come to finance, you know, Anders talked about partnership and leadership and people used to come to me and say, "Chris, can you give me a forecast, a budget, a, an analysis? And my go-to answer, my tagline, which I should have up in the right top right corner was I'll get back to you. And I think there's in this, you know, world that we live in, in this paradigm, the, the phrase I'll get back to you must be obsolete, must be thrown out the window because the information's there. Finance is there to lead. And especially as Anders described, having finance in the passenger seat um, makes you know, or in the driver's seat is of zero value if you don't have an odometer or a steering wheel to lead with. So that's what I'm here for. That's my passion, to enable finance to make the right decisions and to be the leader that they can be.
1: Thank you. And I think we're going to be going back to Andrew's uh, metaphor with the driver quite a bit during the show. I have a feeling, Jeff Hattendorf. Okay, don't be upset. He had 5.7. I'm thinking you might have 6.9 people who don't, or 6.7 people who, it's definitely (laughs) under seven, who don't remember you. Jeff, remind us why your bio still says after 10 years, when Jeff Hattendorf speaks, people listen. Why does it still say that? Why is it still true? And what are you doing here? Welcome back, Jeff. (laughs) Thank you. So my name is Jeff Hattendorf,
3: and officially I'm the Chief Operating Officer at Macrospect. What that really means is Chief Nerd. So I speak accounting, finance, and IT. All three of those have to come together. You know, Pras touched on this idea that the information is available. I would actually argue the point that we have lots of data. We need people to turn it into information that people can act on. And for the last twenty years now, I've been fortunate to work with companies like Estee Lauder, Coca-Cola, PepsiCo, Union Pacific Railroad, Texas Instruments, the Corning Company, and a hundred other companies no one's ever heard of who are all multinational, multi-billion-dollar, multi-language enterprise organizations. With complex structures where finance is not always in the lead seat, but they are almost all trying to move to that direction, that direction, because that's, you know, that we have lots of smart, talented people across these enterprise organizations, but the analysts tend to congregate in finance. And, and that's why this topic today is so on point.
1: Thank you very much. You certainly dropped a very impressive list. I won't say a laundry list of, of clients. I want, I want introductions to all of those companies. We, we got to get some of them on here, right? pras to, to talk about what, Absolutely, finance, yeah. what is finance doing in the trenches? You know, that would be an interesting series sub series for 2023 is finance in the trenches who were the real movers and shakers in the stewardship of finance. If you like Anders likes that. Yeah, Anders is going to partner with okay. us. Jeff, you're on board. Jeff, thank you for the idea. Appreciate it. Now let's move on. I've asked each of you to send me a fictional quote, character from a movie or a TV show or a song lyric that you're going to tell us what it has to do with our topic, even though it doesn't specifically. So Anders Lou Lindbergh has sent us a quote from one of my favorite shows, and I wish to heck it was still on. Harvey <coughs> Specter played by Gabriel Macht. I haven't seen him in anything since then. The series, Five Little Letters, Big Punch Suits. S-U-I-T-S, American Legal Drama on the USA Network TV from 2011 to 2019. I guess they had enough. And it was set at a fictional New York City law firm, and it follows Mike Ross, played by Patrick J. Adams, who he was a college graduate and he never went to law school, but he has what they call an eidetic memory. And he talks his way into becoming a an associate in this law firm working with Harvey Specter. And once Harvey finds out that <laughs> Mike doesn't have a law degree, they have to pass him off as a qualified lawyer, but he's absolutely brilliant. And just a side note, Meghan Markle was in this show as the ambitious paralegal Rachel Zane. I won't say anything more now. She's a princess. What can I tell you? Okay. So here we go. A lot of spinoffs from that show. Some fabulous actors, I will say that. Here is the quote. And by the way, Anders, this quote has been uh, attributed to Vince Lombardi and many others. And it actually came from two jokes circulating in the 1920s, but it was used in the show. We're going to attribute it to Harvey Specter. The only time success comes before work is in the dictionary. I like it. Anders, how'd you find this one? And what does it mean for our topic today? Go ahead.
2: Yeah, so I mean, I'm a big uh, suits fan as well, and I've just uh, gobbled it up whenever a new season came out. So you know, it's a natural place to uh, to to look for some favorite uh, favorite quotes. And to me, you know, I've been working with business partnering pretty much my entire career, and uh, I I thought I was pretty successful along the way. But at the end of it, when I said, "Okay, now this is my last role, and I'm going to leave for becoming an entrepreneur," I was looking back at ten years of, of business partnering and thinking to myself, hmm. In the end, I was pretty good, but looking at everything in hindsight, you know, everything is twenty twenty. In hindsight, I was like, "Damn, there are so many things I could have done better, and 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 things I should have done differently." But in the end, I really got it right. So I had to put in so much work—not just at work, but also writing about it, talking about it, uh, listening to others doing it, and so on—before I could become good at it. So you know, I put in so much work before it finally became successful. I think in in an objective view. And so I think this quote just really hammered home in my career and all the work that I've done with business partnering. So that's uh, that's pretty much why I thought, hmm, this, this is it.
1: Thank you. And and that's the message also, isn't it, for the finance audience, Pras, Jeff, Jeff, and Andrews. We're talking to around the world. It's not just going to be, wow, we got a new tool. We got a new toy. We're going to be successful as you've got to do the work partnering is. Get in that seat, get in that car, and make sure you are a, a leader. And you, well, you're the backseat driver, or the front seat driver. Um, very, very interesting. Thank you very much for the quote. I appreciate it. Let's go on. Process and a quote from Sansa or Sansa Stark, Sansa by Sansa Stark. <laughs> thank you. Play. You can tell I don't watch it. By Sophie Turner to speaking to Arya Stark, played by Maisie Williams. The show, of course, TV's Game of Thrones, American fantasy drama TV series, and this was in the season. Seven finale. And here is the quote. I have the whole quote, Pras. I watched the clip. So there's a little bit that comes before the part that you want to talk about. The introduction to this quote is when the snow falls and the white winds blow, and here comes the lone wolf dies, but the pack survives. Pros, how'd you find this one? And talk to us.
0: Well, I mean, obviously I'm a huge Game of Thrones fan. Um, you know, in fact uh, A couple of years ago, I wrote this blog about how the finance department is effectively Game of Thrones, and it talked about the infighting and everything, and it was received either very well or very poorly, depending on what (laughs) side of the spectrum you sat on. But um, again, it was received. I mean, let's put it that way. I'm not going to say well, but uh, yeah, I'm a big Game of Thrones fan. And the reason I chose Sansa Stark for all those people watching Game of Thrones, and for those that don't, I'll give a brief education. She started off as somewhat of a lone wolf in her own little world, not really knowing how to navigate. But you know the topic is business partnering she knew how to make allegiances and she knew how to uh, get the right people on her side how to fight the right battles how to you know fight the tough battles and really sacrifice in a way but at the end and i'm going to make a big spoiler for those who haven't watched it she won. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm (laughs) going to leave it at. She won. And really, I think it shows the potential that, you know, as a lone wolf, she and others of her ilk might not have survived, but ultimately the movement went on. And that's where I see finance as well. Uh, Mm -hmm. There might be struggles along the way. There might be sacrifices that have to make, but ultimately finance and the enterprise will survive. And it's up to us helping the enterprise move along as a finance department. So that's, again, uh, where the quote came from. It's part of my passion as well when it comes to this.
1: Thank you. We hate when people come to the show with a passion, Pross. How dare you? No, <laughs> this, this makes it interesting. And that's why uh, Pross goes back far enough with me to know that we used to ask for quotes from famous people. And how many Winston Churchill quotes and Einstein <laughs> quotes and JFK quotes and Gandhi quotes and Maya Angelou quotes and after a while I could tell you what the quote was going to be. I didn't even have to look them up and I remembered you, them. You all.
0: forgot Mark Twain quotes.
1: Mark Twain, you're absolutely yes. right. Yeah. And and uh, Drucker and yeah. Gates and Jobs and yes and Walt Disney. A lot of Disney quotes. But after a while it just got so repetitious and. <clears throat> The engineers hate it when I whisper, boring, (laughs) that I upped it about two years ago when we went on Zoom right around the start of COVID. And I said, let's go to fictional quotes, because it gets your juices flowing. And I think the audience appreciates these cultural references. We're talking about popular entertainment, and we're blending it with business. So I like that. Thank you, Pross. I appreciate the lesson. I might have to start watching Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. Jeff Hattendorf has come up with a very interesting quote from a character played by Russell Quo, Maximus Decimus Meridius in gladiator the 2002 2000 epic historical drama film directed by ridley scott of course inspired by daniel Mannix's 1958 book those about to die formerly known as the way of the gladiator very interesting and dreamworks acquired the script whatever that's worth to you here's the quote whatever comes out of these gates we've got a better chance of survival if we work together do you understand if we stay together We survive. I don't do a good Russell Crowe impersonation. I'm sorry, Jeff. You're gonna have to do that for me. Jeff, (laughs) all of our quotes are on the same theme today. Go ahead, Jeff.
3: Well, I I read the the synopsis of the show. I saw the quote from Pele, and it immediately made me think about what we have faced just as a as a as a world economy in the last what four or five years. We've had pandemic, we've had war, we're now facing a, a headwinds from a recession. And in all the clients that I mentioned earlier that, that we've ever worked with, finance is the group that is putting together the, the action plans, or at least the financial outcome of those action plans to say, if we do X, what result do we get? If we do Y, what result do we get? But for them to really be successful, they can't plan or act in a, in a vacuum. They have to have input. And this is where that whole idea of xp starts to come from. And it's not a new idea, but it's been rebranded. But but you have to have input from across the organization if you want to have plans that are meaningful and can be acted upon. If we hit a recession going into Q4 or Q1 of next year, how is your company going to react? If interest rates continue to go up globally, how does your company react in the office of the treasury? That, that all requires input from from a large group of people and finance is in the perfect seat to make that happen.
1: And there we go back to the seat. Gentlemen, thank you for your very interesting quotes. I appreciate the research. Let's go to our discussion roundtable now. For the audience, if you're tuning in for the first time, shame on you. You missed 11 years of great information, but we're welcoming you and glad to have you. I ask my guests in advance to each send me four discussion statements I'm the dealer I picked the cards, so I'm picking a statement or two from each of you I'm picking I picked one and two I'm gonna combine them from Anders I'll read them I'm gonna ask Anders to unpack the statements for about three minutes not much more and then the fun begins I'm gonna ask Pross to agree or disagree with Anders and then I'm gonna ask Jeff to do twice as much work to agree or disagree with either or both Anders and or Pross. and then I'll uh, Anders I'll go back to you to have you make any comments back to them at that point I will have picked a statement from Pros, Put it in the chat. We'll go around one from Jeff and let's see how far we get. So Anders, I'm combining statement number two. Number one says business partnering is defined as insights X times influence equals impact. And I'm going to add this XP and A, which is what we're talking about, should stand for cross-functional financial planning and analysis rather than extended. Interesting. Can you do it in three minutes? Talk to me.
2: I'll definitely uh, try, Bonnie. So on the equation, you know, take 10 people, ask them, what do you think business partnering is? So how would you define it? And I guarantee you, you'll get 10 different answers. It's not that business partnering is new. It's been officially out there for at least 20 years. But we're still struggling in the finance function to actually implement it and really become those business partners. So we thought at BPI, you know, if we don't define it, we're going to keep having this debate <clears throat> and discussion around what is business partnering. So business partnering is insights times influence equal to impact. Insights is when you have information that business leaders currently do not know about, but can help them make better decisions. Very wide definition, but insights can come from all over the place. Influence, it's when we get buy-in and acceptance for the messages we come with to the table. And oftentimes, finance professionals, we struggle mostly with the influence. So we have some great insights and bring them to the table and then no one listens and we don't have any impact. And impact is increased value creation, whether it's shareholder value creation, stakeholder value creation, you know, triple, quadruple, bottom line, you know, all these bottom lines we're talking about today, right? So that's the goal of business partnering, increase value creation. And when you then talk about business partnering in an XPNA context, you know, if we say extended planning and analysis, it kind of feels like you know, finance is extending the way we want to do things onto other functions in the company. But there's many functions in the company that does planning you know sales does sales operations planning, operations they do uh, you know uh, planning in terms of uh, if they do manufacturing and whatnot. So there's lots of planning going on in the company and we're kind of saying, well, finance knows best, we know how to plan, so you should all do like us. And I'm like maybe maybe finance has the best way of doing planning analysis. maybe sales has. Right, so we really need to figure out what is the best way to do planning analysis, and it's probably you know adapting best of breeds from different ways of doing things, and then come together cross functionally and make it work. So I think that extended, I I kind of don't like it because it 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 doesn't feel collaborative. It doesn't feel like it's something we're doing together. It feels like finance is exerting its power if we have power over other functions. And that's not partnering, right? That's the opposite of partnering. That's forcing. And you know what? You can force someone to do something once, but you can't kick them to do it twice or three times, right? Then then it all falls apart. So we need to partner. We need to be cross-functional. We need to collaborate. We can't extend. It doesn't really say partnering to me at least.
1: Thank you very much. And to me, extend is the operative word, the operational word, not the human word. doesn't involve the people involved. It's a different <laughs> different perspective. I'm not supposed to jump in here and comment. Press, it's your turn. Agree or disagree with Mr. Lou Lindbergh?
0: I'm not sure. So let me unpack my ah. thoughts. But I, I believe I might be on slightly on the side of disagree because... Andrews is correct. It's all about partnership and it is about maybe, but then I guess where I defer is that, you know, Andrews did make a great point. Is it about finance leading the way and finance, assuming that I am right. I beat my chest hard and I, you know, exert my influence, but is that a bad thing? Now, that being said, we know that everybody in the organization plans, everyone's planning, even from the pencils you buy to the erasers, to your marketing campaigns, to your sales targets, to your operations, what you're planning to build planning is happening all the time. So, we know that everybody plans, but whose job is to bring those plans together and then lead the influence of those plans and like the spreading of those plans to the organization? Now, I agree the definition you know is somewhat simplistic. Sometimes XPNA or extended planning is defined is defined in a manner as having a integrated set of systems and data that is accessible to all through a shared platform or whatnot. I think that's absolutely. Bare minimum i mean once you have that that's great that's like you know going back to anderss you know car analogy uh you know that's like having that formula one at your you know uh, car at your fingertips but not knowing how to drive is a different part of the story and i think that's where finance has to really help learn how to drive because they know that there's different turns different uh pivots and things of that nature so finance does have to assume a leadership role but i think for me the extended planning analysis is you know when you look at the finance persona the people that are performing financial planning analysis maybe it's about disregarding the way you've been doing things for a while changing the way you've been planning but adopting a lot of what Anders has said but being a better business partner so um uh, you know maybe holistically it's about cross functional but from a finance standpoint it's about extending but it's still at the x and i guess x can be interpreted many different ways but Maybe Jeff can be the tiebreaker. I don't know.
1: Well, Jeff, you've been summoned. You've been called. It's your turn. Let's see what you have to say. Break the tie. Sit on the fence. Where do you want to go?
3: Well, I, I feel like my 50-year-old Jeep, all these fancy Formula One cars. I'm not sure I know what to, to say here. Um,
1: not, possible. not possible. Not <laughs> possible.
3: <laughs> I absolutely agree that that X means cross-functional. It means cross-organizational. Where I disagree is that every kind I've ever worked with, finance, hands down, has the best planning and analytics team. There are exceptions individually, but as a team, finance always collects the best group of people. What has to happen is is what Andrew's talked about, is it's not enough to be the smartest person in the room on a particular topic. You have to learn how to win friends and influence people. If you can't build influence, you can't have an impact. I 100% agree with that you know a, a lot of the clients we work with the CFO sometimes is a bully because the CFO's team controls the budget and so if things don't go the CFO's way the budget gets cut somewhere and so there's lots of politicking that goes on and i don't think that you build a great team through through bullying it it forcing your will on something sometimes is necessary but that should be the exception and not the rule so yeah the the xpna definition becomes a little bit siloed when we say extended it almost sounds like it's it's a it's an empire takeover and we're we're darth vader trying to expand our influence across the empire when we really were trying to to have influence in a way that gets people to get on board and we want to lead them not bully them so i I agree and disagree a little bit on all points
1: interest anders that was a very well put, the two of them together, provocative statement. That's what we like on the show is when we get everybody's juices flowing and you know, yes, 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 I agree, I agree, agree. Why bother having the show? This is important. Thank you. Do you have any comments back to your colleagues on the panel, Andrews?
2: No, so I think the key point is that someone's gotta lead, and I say lead, not manage. Someone's gotta lead the the process. And of course, I believe it should be finance doing that. I just don't think we do it if we come with the language of saying let's extend our way of doing things right so it's more the language around it it's not so much you know whether finance should do it or not because of course finance should do it but if you come with the right language they're not going to listen to us and that's 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 really the key here so I think uh, uh happen to hear I'm ca- I can uh, split some hairs even with these experienced uh, gentlemen on the on the show here uh but I don't think we are we're, we're disagreeing too much but, uh, but but yeah that's that's pretty much where I stand
1: semantics, perspective. It's a little subjective, but you're all talking about the same goal, aren't we? We're all trying to get to the same place. Thank you. Pras, I'm going to your statement number four. I put it in the chat for you because we kind of covered number three when we were talking before. That's why I don't put them in too early. So Pras says, interesting, future finance leaders that our true business partners will be able to navigate and speak to all lines of business beyond finance. So we're expand, extending our topic, if you will. And he says, they'll be nimble in their thinking, confident in their speaking, authoritative in their guidance. That's an interesting one. To get to this point and the underlying skills required, next generation finance and CFOs, here it comes, will have a revamped set of skills. So we've got a new nuance on the job description press take it away talk to us
0: yeah i mean uh, for me it's more that um you know when i started my career in finance i don't think the skills i had would resonate in today's market or maybe will it would resonate but it would be effectively mediocre or uh be less than satisfactory in the sense that i was amazing at pulling reports and uh um bringing data together and, you know, having these amazing pivot tables with V lookups embedded with H lookups and arrays and showing how powerful my spreadsheets were. And then, you know, I can get into a meeting and talk about what happened yesterday. My God, I was amazing at describing what happened yesterday, but, you know, going back to what Andrew said, if you're going to sit in the front of the car and we keep talking about cars and formula ones or whatnot. You've got to have a different set of skills. If you're moving from the back seat into the passenger seat or driving the F1 or the bus or whatnot. And part of those skills, I think, are, you know, having, uh, you know, especially in today's world where information is moving so quickly and could be generated on a second by second basis. I mean, I think that Jeff talked about consuming data as well earlier in one of his statements. If you're going to be consuming the data, you've got to be able to interpret the data. So that involves, I think, having analytics and BI skills and maybe even a touch of data science to you as well. It might involve predictive planning. I'm not talking about, you know, Uh, becoming an expert in Python, but being able to have an advanced uh, set of skills and statistics more than that, uh, more than anything. And maybe it's even as simple as, you know, I talked about uh, being authoritative in your speak. I don't know, maybe it's about going into Toastmasters where when you speak, when Jeff Hattendorf speaks, people listen, maybe finance needs to listen, uh, people need to listen to finance as well. Because again, it's not just, it's not about yesterday's skills where you're talking about what happened yesterday. In today's world where you know, you've got inflation, geopolitical conflicts, uh, in, you know a buildup in inventories and whatnot, and a combination of all that at any point in time. When people go to finance, finance needs to speak in a way that's authoritative. and mean, give guidance, and those are the skills that this next generation needs to build out on.
1: Thank you very much. I'd love to be the person in HR or the AI algorithm that is pretending to be the human HR who has to write that new job description. It won't anymore say self-starter, good communication skills, yeah. solid finance background. We're an all-benefits company. Join our team and soar with your with your career. It's gotta be a lot deeper than that. Let's go around the table. Mr. Hattendorf, we're listening. Go ahead, Jeff.
3: I am not taking a job from AI.
1: <laughs> how would you know
3: <laughs> i I'd like, I'd like to feel that i would know but perhaps the terminator movies have made me a little bit jaded about AI and where it's going to take us um you know the start of that 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 whole topic was that the office of the CFO the Cfo has to have a different set of skills in the future i don't believe the Cfo has to have a different set of skills organization by organization that that role plays a little bit of a different place you know we talk about apple as as we had we had jobs in Wozniak we never talk about the CFO. We talk about the guy that was the visionary and the guy that ran execution. We don't know who the CFO was behind the scenes. I do suspect that in a modern 20 years later world that the CFO has to be more visible. But I absolutely agree that if you're going to be on the team of fp it's it's kind of important to know about Excel because everyone over 40 still holds on to it like really tightly. But if you're under 40 and we move into this next decade, Excel becomes less and less important because all the data is in the cloud. And you have to know how to take that vast sea of data and turn it into some information we can act on. If you can help people find information they can act on, they're going to start listening to you. If they're listening to you, you have influence, which means you have impact, going back to something that Andrew said at the start.
1: Mm-hmm. Interesting. So nobody's mentioned the word exciting. Is Can work be exciting as you're trying to be a partner? Can you be energized in this new way of being a business partner? We'll get to that. Andrews, you're going to wrap up this round on process statement that Jeff already responded to. What do you have to say? POV, please.
2: It's uh, it's really tough to disagree when we've built a whole capability model on top of the classical finance and accounting toolbox to say we need new skills to succeed in the future. I mean, a CFO is a business leader, a people leader, a uh, technical analytics leader, and definitely also a, a business leader, change leader, right? So finance leader is sort of, it's it's so yesterday somehow, right? There's so many other things that CFOs need to do today to actually be successful in that job. But if you sit in FP&A, it's the same thing, right? You need to support the CFO, the CEO, the board with better insights to actually run the company. It's not just pulling reports and numbers like, that Pras was always talking about earlier in his career, right? It's about so much more today if you really want to be successful. So I can't really disagree with Pras on this one, even though I'd like to split some more hairs here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you. I was just sending a note to Pras saying we're ahead of schedule because we're covering so much and it's just half past. We have 25 minutes to go and I want to make sure we don't get repetitive. So I'll be careful which statements I pick and we might have to do a little riffing here. It's a great topic. Pras, this was yours. Any comments you want to make back to the other two gentlemen? Go ahead.
0: Yeah. I mean, for me, this, this statement really resonated from the fact that, you know, I'm, uh, about, wow, I'm going to date myself right now, maybe 20 years ago, or I you know, I was in my, one of my first uh, FP&A jobs. And I, like I said, I was in a master at, I mean, I will challenge anyone to an Excel battle. I was an expert at these Excel spreadsheets or whatnot. And I created this incredible model where you could have inputs and formulas and arrays and um, models built on other models linked to other spreadsheets. And uh, you know, they would ask, make an, ass- an assumption, I would change, I'd be, I'll give Excel a couple of minutes to generate it, the data and stuff. And then you know, at one point, I asked the CFO at this organization I was supporting. Uh, I was actually Pitney Bowes Canada to give a shout out to them. Uh, how do I succeed in my career? And this gentleman's mate said something to me that uh, really has resonated in my career, and I think resonates for all of finance. He actually said to me, "Well, you're 90% of the way there," and I was like, "Okay, well, what's the other 10%?" He was, and he said. You have all the information, but we do. what you don't have is a means to weave a story out of it. You're not good at telling the story behind the numbers. And I think, too, for fp individuals, there is someone to look up, up to in a good sense. I love listening to earnings calls. I'm not that boring. I mean, just to get an idea of what's happening. And when you think <laughs> about CFOs on earnings calls, they actually have a great story. They talk about what's happened, what's about to happen. They use the right language because they also know the algos are listening. I mean, if algos pick up on I'm lowering guidance, bang, the stock falls. If they say we're <laughs> increasing guidance, stock goes up. But sometimes I wonder if these CFOs are, you know, playing yo-yo or whatnot. But you know, they do this back and forth. And uh, I think for FPNA individuals, it's interesting to look up to these CFOs because great CFOs will paint an awesome story, they'll weave the right narrative, and that's what finance and FPNA needs to look up to. Not every FPNA individual has. Uh, accepted this. Some are still, you know, clutching onto Excel and think that reporting the right data is the extent of their career. But I think there's a lot of potential in this.
1: Very, very interesting. So we have storytelling in the mix now, and that wasn't in your list of skills, but maybe that needs to be in that description. Jeff, you don't have to take a job that AI work, but I <laughs> but you know that AI is the gateway to a lot of resumes today that are posted online. And they say that if certain words, keywords for the job posting are not in your first five sentences you don't even get past that gatekeeper, which is interesting. I don't think a lot of people realize that. who Who is keeping the door closed to that job? Thank you very much, Pras. Great conversational start there. And Jeff Hattendorf, I'm looking at your statement number one. Let's go here. Uh, you've got another quote here, my goodness, from Seneca the Roman philosopher 2000 years ago. He says, luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. That's probably been used by a lot of people since then. And Jeff says, in recent years we faced pandemic. Multiple wars, still. A supply chain crisis, still. Employee shortages, still. In the US, I think around the world. And currently a global reception, recession, OMG. Financial planning must leverage operational planning so the business is prepared to be lucky. Okay, Jeff, you got your work cut out for you on this one. And react quickly to these challenges. So my question is proactive or reactive. Jeff, it's yours, go ahead
3: it's It's one hundred percent about being proactive, and we can't predict the future with certainty. The algorithms can tell us based upon the past what's happened, here's where we're going to go. No algorithm would have predicted the pandemic. Nope, no algorithm could have predicted what's happening in in Eastern Europe at this point in time and the the supply chain issues that have have fallen from that. So even as people, we're limited by our imagination and the and the number of permutations we can plan. However, we have got to be doing as much of that planning as we can. So most of the clients we work with, uh, two things have happened. One, over the last 20 years, the size of finance has shrunk because we put better tools in. So I don't need as many people to manage the spreadsheets. But we've not actually taken those jobs and turned them into analysts. We still are, are managing the process and collecting the data. And we're not going to get out of our own way until we find a way to go from collecting data to being analysts. Um, you know, I've made the case, and, and I believe this to be true, most of the best analysts I've worked with, the, the teams, are in the office of the CFO, but they get so stretched and pulled, they don't spend a lot of time in that area. Uh, this particular quote, I actually heard it from Daryl Royal, who said it back in the late 70s or 80s. Apparently, he was quoting somebody else who's more famous. Who knew there were people more famous than a Texas football coach? Um But he's exactly
1: right. No, not possible. (laughs) Not possible. Price knows that. Ask his friends. I'm sorry. I had to. Go ahead, Jeff.
3: (laughs) You know, we can't plan for everything, but the more things we can plan for, the more quickly we can react when when something changes. And it's all about being able to react quickly that we're talking about here. And that's where the office of the CFO can lead the way. And it comes back to partnering with the business in a cross-functional planning organization or structure everyone is planning for the different scenarios that finance sees as likely or possible so that finance can measure the financial impact and help steer the ship.
1: Thank you. Oh, now we're on a ship before we were in a car. Andrews, are you cool with that? We have, we have to know who's at, who's at the wheel. There we go. Let's go around the table. Anders, you are sitting next to Jeff right now. Go ahead. Comments, please.
2: I used to work in a shipping business, so how could I not yes. be okay with being on a ship, Burst, right? That's uh, right. Yes. That, that's perfectly okay. I'm going to have to disagree a bit with Jeff here, but uh, but let me explain why. So uh, Jeff's starting point is kind of like operational planning. And I think if we talk operational planning and FP&A, we're kind of taking the wrong starting point because for me, what's the overall objective of FPNA? It's is to drive the right strategic choices in the company. So I'd rather go at it from the top and say, What are the big choices we need to make as a company and document the assumptions behind those, track those. And whenever reality falls out of line, which obviously it does quite a lot, we should have a frank conversation with the business leaders around what do we then do instead? But if you sort of look at it from the bottom up and say, well, someone has decided on a strategy and then, then someone is executing and we're sort of planning from the bottom up, we're always playing catch-up and we're always feeling like, well, then comes the new situation. I need to forecast something. And okay, then I was too late with that. Here comes the new situation. I need to forecast again. And we sort of play catch-up rather than being, because, because you said it, Jeff, right? we need to be proactive. There we 100% agree, right? We need to be proactive, but we should be proactive from the top and down, not so much from the bottom up, because it's very, very difficult when the world changes so fast. So, slight disagree there.
1: We used to call it having your finger on the pulse, didn't we, to see what was coming next? Pras, let's hear from you. What do you say?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I do agree with Jeff's sentiments, but I also come at it from a different angle. I mean, I think that Jeff talked about, you know, um, the profession being planning and analysis and not enough time being spent on the analysis piece. And I think that Part of that might be that, you know, like, and obviously it's not the reason, but when you look at the profession, that the field is called financial planning and analysis or extended planning analysis, but there's planning and analysis. And there's so much darn time being spent on the planning piece and less time on the analysis. And look, I come from a technology background where I'm invested in data and solutions. And people often ask me, you know, who's your biggest competitor? And before I list those competitors, sadly often for many customers, it's still Excel. It's trying to convince many finance departments to move off of their dependency on Excel. And I don't want to just pile on Excel, but it's because they're spending so much time planning within this limited, yet flexible, but it's limited in terms of capacity, especially with all the things that Jeff described, the pandemics, the geopolitical changes, the uh, supply chain issues. You know, Last year we had no inventory, this year we have too much inventory. And then how do you plan and adjust on that? And I think it's about having the right tools and solutions and data available to you. And I think there is means for many different technology providers to have access to all the information, not just financial, but operational, to bring that information into finance and then consuming that in a way through either dashboards or stories or insights or predictive models, making assumptions or whatnot. And I think having all that helps you do analysis versus the old way of what I used to do, let me get back to you, waiting for a batch feed from a process from this system over here to coming into that system and taking a download, putting it to Excel, making sure the T's and I's are crossed and then creating a report. And someone said, no, I changed that assumption there, hold on a sec, I'll get back to you again. That cannot be modern finance. So, uh, I think that there is a means for helping with the analysis. But I think the underlying thing for me is having the data, the data and being able to tell a story behind that data.
1: Thank you. Very, very interesting. There's that storytelling word again. So, proactive, reactive, finger on the pulse, knowing what's coming next. Used to ask the question what's keeping, let's say, CFOs awake at night? And now the answer is every night or every couple of nights, it's something different, right? It's global crises, it's recession, it's supply chain, it's wars, it's financial markets that look like, oh my God, what happened to my investments? We know that. Jeff, this was your topic. Comments back to the other two, please.
3: Well, I'm going to go in reverse order. So I think we have more data than we know what to do with. You can look at all kinds of statistics about the amount of data we've generated as a digital, digital world. We do have to focus more on the the analytics, which means we have to find ways to to find meaning in the data, information we can act on. And something I probably should have touched on that I didn't, where I think Pras and I agree more than I would have let on is, we need to take advantage of better tools to automate planning. A lot of what's being done in planning doesn't have to be done by hand. Like this is where I trust the AI to go out and, and execute 75 different variations of my plan then I can analyze the financial results of that and give input both to the tactics and the strategy of the business. And so my, my focus tends to be back to what Anders talked about on the tactics of planning because most of our clients spend about 90% of their planning cycles tactically. What are we doing this year, this quarter, the next three quarters? So strategic planning happens at the end or beginning of the cycle, depending upon your perspective of time and looks out over three to five years about where we're going to go. And so fp probably should spend more time there We tend to see them spending most of their time in the tactics and and probably to process point, if we would automate more of the planning, leverage machine learning, let the AI start to do some of that work, it's tedious, we might get to a place where we're doing more analytics and, and making better decisions, both tactically and strategically.
1: Thank you. Very interesting. Very provocative. Anybody have any comments back to what Jeff just added? Process pouncing on it. Go ahead. Uh,
0: Well, you know, I'm not going to take credit for the statement, and this is something maybe we can unpack or we save it for a different show, but Jeff talked about automated, and it's true. For Mm -hmm. the longest time, I was thinking about, you know, getting things automated within finance, and uh, this past June, I had the uh, pleasure of attending the Gartner CFO conference, and uh, there was a lady who gave a keynote, and I forgot her name, but I am attributing this to her. She actually talked about moving away from automated finance to Autonomous finance, where you know you take advantage of ML and AI and you have things working automatically because so much of these activities are, you know, can move beyond automation to autonomous, where they're happening naturally. And then with that it helps you know with the analysis piece of finance and being proactive or whatnot. So uh, technology and tools are obviously a passion for me. And to get to a world, I mean, I don't know, I mean, we're talking about self-driving cars and maybe self-driving finance, you know, x amount of years from now to get to that point, you've really got to fix the plumbing underneath of what you have right now. And that's, again, moving away from Excel, moving away from generation one planning tools or X generation ERP or having disconnected Mm -hmm. markets. I mean, uh, to get to the point of autonomous.
1: Where does this energy and this input come from? We talk about getting rid of silos and finance being the leader in the business partnering mantra, but who says, damn, our tools are really old and we're really working too hard to Glean those actionable insights from the data. Does it come from? I'm going to use a terrible word: a millennial joining a team or a Gen Zer coming in and saying, "What? You're still using Excel? What's wrong with you people?" I'm I'm half teasing, but where does this energy, this input, come from? Does it come from the bottom up, the top down? Does it come from a CFO attending a business conference saying, "Wow, there are new tools out there. We could get those too. How about that, Pras? You want to start? Let's go around the table, Pras."
0: Yeah, I'm I'm actually going to throw this to my friend Anders for a second, because uh, I think he would have some great insights. But, um, you know, I talk a lot about technology, but where I falter, I think, is that, um, and I experience this with many CFOs I've talked to, I mean, everybody agrees that technology is there, the solutions can be integrated, the data can be consumed. Uh, That is is a fact, that is not fiction at this point in time. But what is, um, I guess, a challenge for organizations, and I guess maybe in the spirit of business partnering, is that, well, how do we approach this, as you asked, Bonnie, uh, is it, Finance departments making a business case to the CFO. Find that business case can be made. But the CFO at the next board meeting, do they carve out fifteen minutes to, you know, say that okay, well now we have to take on this XPA, whether it's cross-functional or extended planning approach, where we're going to integrate all the systems, have all the data available, have finance influence the business partners, have the business partners being influenced, you know, influence the overall plans or whatnot. So there might be various steps and i honestly don't know what the steps are and i've been curious about this is it a matter of finance influencing the cfo the cfo taking the case to the rest of the board the rest of the board taking that message and you know giving finance the you know the green light to go ahead with this uh that can be a separate show or maybe jeff and anders can unpack this in a couple of minutes who knows
1: Well, I'll tell you that I've already picked statement number four from Anders, and I think some of the answers Anders are in. Let me read that as part of, we'll go around. Anders says, to succeed, FP&A needs to do four things. Number one, explain the change and have it make sense to the other functions. That may be the hardest one. I don't know. Number two, be a role model for planning and analysis across the company. Number three, support other teams to unify the planning and analysis approach. And number four, provide oh, training in the new way of doing planning and analysis. So maybe some of what what the answer is to my question yep. that you started would come from see how everything just comes together when you do this And long enough? There we go. Anders, take this over because this is the statement I was going to read next. And then we'll have Jeff respond and then press. Go ahead, Anders.
2: Absolutely, Bonnie. And I think, you know, just to to go back to the previous question, I think the pressure comes from the outside. I think CEOs and other business leaders are looking at finance and say, hey finance, you got to do your job so we can do ours. And I've heard CXO says this in in large companies and says, you know, we're doing our own performance management. We are doing our own planning and forecasting because finance is busy with some Excel sheet down in the dungeons, right? They're not coming up to help us. So I think the pressure is coming from the outside. And if the CFO is not able to deliver, then, you know, they will find a new CFO who can I think it was uh, ProTivity back in 2019 they did a survey where basically they found that 71% of CFOs were unhappy with the return on investment they were getting from their FPA teams right so CFOs they are sending a, you know shit runs downhill right so they're basically sending it down the line to their and say hey FP&A, you got to fix this and you know I'll get back to the four pillars of change that you just mentioned in the statement but the reality is that the board is not going to fund a big investment in anything. fp needs to find this kind of value themselves, either by participating in business projects where they can showcase they're actually adding value so it makes sense for a CEO to say, I'm going to invest in three more fp managers and not five salespeople because I know fp they drive value. If we cannot put that case forward, no one is going to sign off on, on, on more big tech investments because they think already they have invested CFOs and the board think they have invested and I'm sure Pras is going to shoot me now, but they think they have invested a lot in technology already, but they haven't gotten the ROI yet. And it comes back to these four pillars of change, right? Because what happens at the end of any change? There's a human being doing something differently, Right. And Absolutely. what does it take to have people do something differently? Well, one, you gotta to explain to them what, what it is, and it has to make sense to them. Well, it has to make sense to them. Secondly, you got to be a role model, right? So finance got to be great at doing plan analysis and other business line functions need to, to recognize this as well. Thirdly, you know, the organization needs to uh, to support this and we gotta sort of explain what does all this mean. And fourthly, of course, you know, we gotta train people in, in what they need to do differently. So if we got FP&A analysts, for instance need to become storytellers, but we're basically not doing any training for them to become storytellers. They're going to be kept in the dungeons doing Excel. Right. So we we need to find ways of upskilling the FPNA team so that they can deliver on what Pras mentioned earlier so that they can actually showcase and drive the value so that they can fund the own investment they need into even better tools. Because of course they do need better tools, but they need to fund it themselves. I don't think uh, you're going to have business leaders signing off and build million dollar investments because finance says so. They kind of showcase the value themselves.
1: I want to have Jeff respond. I know Pras has got that gun ready, I think. I'm not (laughs) sure. I know where that's pointed. Jeff, go ahead. We have seven minutes left to close on. I need one minute. So Jeff, three minutes and Pras two. Go ahead.
3: So- uh, Anders is absolutely right on, on the fundamentals. We, we've we've got to lead the change if we're in the office of the CFO. But I think the challenge is about people. So I don't think finance gets locked in the dungeon because they love Excel. I think they love Excel, so they lock themselves in the dungeon. It's, it's like a little kid with their favorite blankie or stuffed animal that they drag everywhere. We take Excel everywhere. We have... I'm not going to name any names. I don't want to indict our clients, but we've implemented these new tools for clients. And the very first thing they say is, how can I get this out to Excel? Because they don't want to learn the new tool. And so if you're going to be a leader and you have to manage the herd of cats, sometimes not all the cats are going to go in the same direction. And you have to be willing to be okay with that. It's it's not enough to simply invest in the tools. You've got to move in a direction that the tools are being used and leveraged. And storytelling is a part of that. But I, I think the harsh reality is not everybody's going to adapt, and not everyone can stay in an organization if they don't want to be a part of what you're doing and where your vision's taking. You. Change
1: management, change management, mm-hmm. change management. People management, team building, get rid of the silos, make a statement that makes sense to people. Andrews, that was in your list. You have to make sense to the people you want to bring on board or give them something to excite them where they'll get out of their comfort zone and say, yeah, I want to see where that's going. I want to be part of it. Pross, you get to wrap this up. Three, two minutes. Go ahead. And then I'll have Andrews close it. Go ahead, Pross.
0: Well, I, I guess I'm trying to plead with answer, uh, Anders in the sense that, you know, he mentioned obviously that finance departments, you know, are, uh, like uh, he talked about the productivity from the, the survey from productivity and how uh, CFOs are disappointed with the ROI. Uh, what I'd like to say is, I swear, Anders, this time it's different. I swear, I swear it's different this time. And uh, um, and, and part of why I believe in that is because I think uh, for technology solutions now, it can be consumed Um as Andrews mentioned, yes, in the past were million dollar investments, big bang, large scale initiatives to revamp things. And then, uh, you know, if you at the end of the day, the last mile you don't take with regards to training, the use, and you kind of, as Jeff mentioned, go back into this world of Excel, where was that ROI? I and mean, where was the point of all that effort to, you know, go back to you know, a better version of the same? I mean, you've got to change the same. And I think a different approach can be taken, especially with modern cloud based solutions. You don't have to do a big bang approach to everything. You can then, in fact, fight little wins, do little victories here and there, build business cases, build excitement. And, and again, that analogy doesn't come from me. It's also something I've heard from other experts talk about, but it's an approach you can take. And I think with that approach, maybe that helps with the ROI. So it's much more cost effective, much more scalable in terms of how you approach and really helps build the confidence. And maybe that's 71, which I wish I disagreed with Anders on that but I can see that and it's uh, it's it's frightening and I hope that maybe next time we have this conversation or they run that survey in a few years time it's a better number
1: and we haven't talked about the talent wars. And think about where we're going with this conversation today. If you have more exciting tools and you're not doing the green eye shade and the banker's lamp in the basement, yeah, I'll be out in six months. And when do you see all the excels I've updated? Wow, more columns, more rows, more headers, more formulas. Yeah. If you do that, you're going to attract new talent. And the word I introduced a little while ago, excitement. Finance can be Right. It can be exciting because the three of you have been in it for such a long time. You must find it exciting. You're live human beings. You you want to come to work and say, I'm doing something that makes a difference, that matters, that counts, and I'm excited to come to work. Andrews, I'm going to give you a minute and a half, two minutes exactly, to wrap it up with this statement. Go ahead.
2: You're you so kind, uh, Bunny. I'm just going to wrap Pras and Jeff up in one statement here. So going back to Pras' movie quote and Jeff saying that finance people lock themselves up in a dungeon, it's the game of comfort zones. <laughs> right so it it's finance people it staying in the comfort zone and believe me i've been locked up there for many many years and that's why it took me 10 years to uh to to succeed you know when i started in the finance i was like oh, i can't call someone because what would what will they say and what if they don't agree to what i say and so I, I that was me right and there's so many finance people mm-hmm. locked up in that mm-hmm. comfort zone and they're basically feeling well you know I know Excel, and I can do like Pros could do. You know, I could do all these dynamic arrays and all these things, and I can build the most fancy model in the world, and it it, it prob- probably it probably worked. but you know, value is not created in Excel model, right? It's created out there with other people finance is not a numbers business anymore. It's a people business. And we have to work on people, people, not numbers, people. So it's about getting outside those comfort zones and and acknowledging that we need to support people to get out there because it's not dangerous, but it's uncomfortable. And when things are uncomfortable, we don't like it for too long. And that's okay. Go out there, experience a little bit, next time a little bit more, and so on. So if we can support people to go out there, if CFOs can be leaders and lead their teams out there, I think finance can succeed even with xp a and business partnering that we've tried for years, but now is the time.
1: Well said. And you don't grow unless you get out of your comfort zone until things get a little different. You reach that plateau and it's easy sailing and okay, and I'm getting bored. Wow, I got to do something new. Wow, I got to learn something. What do you mean I'm talking to other parts of the company? What do you mean we're collaborating? What do you mean there's something bigger than this? And I'm part of making the company more successful. How about that? We have one minute left. I want to thank Pras, as always, for sponsoring the series. You are our showrunner today. Let's give a round of applause for Pras. Wonderful topic. Great panel. Thank you. Anders, wonderful to see you. You mentioned it was four and a half years ago. You were supposed to be on the show and you didn't feel good. And here you are. It took a long time, but I'm so happy you are so articulate and focused. And such a pleasure to have you. And Jeff, everybody's listening to Jeff. What can I say? Thank you very much. And I want to thank Andrew, our engineer at Voice America, the business channel. And I have my, and shout out to Chris Grundy. He's still co sponsoring the series, isn't he, Prowse? He's still working yes, with yeah. you. Yeah. yeah, I thought he went somewhere else, and he's he's coming back. What's the next topic in another month? Do You have something for us, Pros or
0: TBD? Yeah, uh, it's still TBD, but we I I hope we can match today's level of excitement. It's a, I a do large. Too. It's a heavy bar to follow.
1: It really is a high bar. So here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Andrews Lindbergh at the Business Partnering Institute, just like Prost Chatterjee at SAP, and of course, just like Jeff Hattendorf at Macrospec. Bonnie D. signing off. Everybody wait...
0: Thanks again for tuning in to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you to operate profitably and adapt continuously. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to hashtag SAPRADIO and join host Bonnie D. Graham on the Business Channel, wishing you a game changing week.